We're going to get to our scripture passage in just a moment. I didn't want you to think that I'd forgotten that, but I want to kind of set that up before we actually take a look at it. You know, titles can be a little confusing. A couple of years ago, uh, I was uh, walking around an Atlanta mall, and I saw signs for the grand opening of a new store called True Religion. Now, that kind of piqued my attention, so I started following the signs to the store, and as I'm going along, I'm thinking, now, I wonder what kind of store this is, true religion. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a bookstore, you know, that sells religious uh, material. Maybe it's a gift shop that shares, that sells, you know, items from the various Christian faith, Jewish faith, Hindu faith, or whatever. So that kind of piqued my curiosity. Imagine my surprise when I got to the store and found out, and some of you know exactly where I'm going with this, that uh, true religion is a store that sells... Uh, High-priced designer blue jeans. And that's the brand of the jeans. Have you got any of those jeans? I bet, yeah, I bet. I don't either. I don't either. Titles can be misleading. Now, I know when some of you came in this morning and you saw the title of this morning's message, Stewardship, some of you got nervous. Because you're thinking, oh, no, here comes... The annual sermon on giving. And some of you started to break out in a sweat because, you know, you're expecting this is going to be the heavy-handed sermon on the amount as to what a person's supposed to give. I was wondering if they'd get that or not. There you go. Well, to be sure, stewardship includes giving. As Christians, that's what we do. We recognizing uh, that what we have comes from God and loving God and desiring to be faithful, we give. It's just what we do. And that's a part of what uh, I want to challenge us this morning. Uh, we are, as Christians, are to give generously. We're to give joyfully. We're to give sacrificially. But stewardship is much bigger than giving. It involves so much more. It is an attitude. It, it is a, a practice it is a way of understanding how life is to be lived for us as people of faith in God. It's one of the four ships that we've been looking at over the last several weeks that make for a vibrant church. And I would frame it this way as we start to look at what stewardship means. If worship is what connects us to God and fellowship is what connects us with one another, and discipleship is what connects us with the world around us, then stewardship is what connects all of those together into one lifestyle. It's what enables us to take our faith and our love for God and to live it out in practical ways, and that includes our giving. It includes utilizing all that we have been given to God's glory. Now, to help us understand the meaning of stewardship, I want to share a story with you this morning. This is our scripture lesson. Uh, This is a parable from Matthew chapter 25. Now, a parable uh, is a story that isn't necessarily in the Bible because it actually happened. A parable is a story designed, written to to teach a spiritual lesson or to share a, a, a spiritual application. And such is the case with this parable. We call it the parable of the talents. So here's the story. Jesus is talking to people about the kingdom of God. 
Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who received the one talent went off dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received the five talents brought the other five and said, Master, you entrusted me with these five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share the happiness of your master. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Investing where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. So here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would receive at least received it back with some interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the other who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever, dare, whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is a talent? In the biblical days, the talent was a measure of weight that reflected a particular amount of money. In the Middle Ages, the word talent came to be understood more than just money. It came to be understood as one's abilities, one's resources, whatever they were. And that's how we understand that word today. And so this is a lesson for us on how to use our resources, our resources of time, our resources of ability, our resources of money, whatever our resources are. And this parable uh, sheds some light on some core tenets of what we mean by stewardship. Here's the first big big idea about stewardship. It begins with an understanding that all we have comes from God and belongs to God. Everything we have comes from God and belongs to God. Look again at the first verse I read. Listen to it. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. It's his property. 
He didn't give it to them for them to have ownership of it. We're told that he entrusted them with his property. What what is a steward? A steward is one who manages, who oversees someone else's property or someone else's assets. Those things don't belong to the steward. The steward just manages them. And so stewardship in the Christian faith means the way we manage, the way we oversee, the way we utilize the gifts, the talents, the money, the ability, even the very life that God has given us. Some of y'all may listen to Rush Limbaugh from time to time, the radio personality. He he has a slogan that kind of identifies his show. Uh, He says uh, that he has a talent, on loan from God. Now, I think I hope he says that kind of tongue-in-cheek because it sounds kind of arrogant, but when you think about it, that, that's exactly true. Everything we have, any talent we have, any resource we have is on loan from God. It comes from him. It belongs to him. Now, he wants us to enjoy what he's entrusted to us. He wants us to enjoy these resources and utilize them to the best of our ability. But we've got to understand along the way, they're not ours. They belong to him. Here's what stewardship looks like. You come before God, and you're standing before God, and you say, Lord, all right, I'm ready to give my life to you. I want to be a follower of Christ. I'm going to be, I want to be a godly man. I want to be a godly woman. Here I am. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. All right, so God pulls out a notepad, and he starts taking inventory. He says to you, okay, uh, for starters, where do you live? You say, well, I live at 55 Glisten Glen Court. No, no, no. I don't mean where's, where's your address. Where do you live? He says, well, I, I live in my house. House. That's mine. All right, he said, uh, God says, do you, have a, do you have a car? And you say, well, yes, God, actually, I, I have two of them. All right, two cars. Check, check, those are mine. God says, do you have any other vehicles? you got any RVs or boats or whatever? God says, you say, well, I bought a boat about a year ago. I don't use it much, but yeah, I've got that boat. Okay, that boat. Check it off. That's mine. God says, uh, all right, do you have any bank accounts? Well, of course i got a bank account. He says, all right, give me the account number of your checking account. What? Give, give, me, give me your checking account number. All right, checking account. That's mine. He says, all right, do you have any other accounts? You got a savings account? You say, yeah. All right, give me that account number. Write it down. That's mine. God says, all right, um, do you have uh, you have anything else? You say, no, Lord, that's pretty much it. He said, well, do you have any family? Yeah, I've got family. All right, family. They belong to me. What else you got? You say, God, what do you mean what else have I got? You're already taking my house, my car, my boat, my banking accounts, my family. I don't have anything left except me. Oh, yeah, yourself. That's right. You belong to me as well. And so God finishes that inventory of your life, and then he he signs it at the bottom, and he hands it over to you, and he says, all right, here's the deal. 
Every bit of this belongs to me. But I'm going to entrust all of it to you. You can do with it whatever you want. I'm hoping you'll use it in a way that honors me. I want you to enjoy all that I've given you. Make the best of it. But remember, ultimately, it's mine. That's about the simplest way I can describe what stewardship means. God giving to us everything that we have, or that we think we have, all comes from God. And he says, I want you to care for it. I want you to oversee it. I want you to use it in a way that is proper. Until we understand that fundamental concept that everything comes from God and everything belongs to God, we can't really understand what Christian stewardship is all about. That's the first hurdle we've got to get through. Well, here's the second big picture of stewardship. The next big idea is that God expects you to invest what you have been given in service to him. He expects us to invest it. Look back at the story. One of the the guys was given five talents, one was given two, one was given one. The manager's expectation was those those talents, that money was going to be invested. Here's the point. God is interested in our faithfulness. God is interested in our fruitfulness. And he expects that we will take what he has given us, whether it's our time, our resources, our abilities, our money, our talents, whatever, our life, and invest it in expanding his kingdom and accomplishing his purpose. Whatever you think you can claim in your life, things or relationships... God has not given those things to you so that you can just uh, hold on to them for the next 50, 60, 70, 80 years. God has given you those things that you would invest them in serving Him and accomplishing His purpose for your life. Stewardship is using our life, every aspect of it, in serving God, serving some larger purpose that our own desires, our own agendas, our own wants. If you've been given the talent of singing, and you've got a beautiful singing voice, you're not supposed to just use that for yourself. God wants you to invest that by signing up to sing in this great choir or utilize it in some other way to serve his purpose. If God's blessed you monetarily, so that you have the ability to give generously. God expects you to do that and not just keep everything for yourself. If you've been given the the gift of of art, God's expectation is that you're going to use that in some way to glorify Him and serve His purpose. Listen, amazing things begin to happen when ordinary people give back to God the resources that he has blessed them with. God can take that and do some marvelous things. Several years ago, Becky and I were 
headed down to Gulf Shores for a few days at the beach, and we decided to make a detour and go the back roads through Laverne, Alabama. Uh, if you've ever been to Laverne, you know there's not a whole lot there. We were going to stop by because she, have a, she had an aunt and uncle who lived there, and so uh, we're driving, and as we're getting into Laverne, now keep in mind, there's nothing, I mean nothing in Laverne. And as we're driving into this town, I see this big plant, big warehouse, manufacturing place. I'm like, what in the world is that? Out here in the middle of nowhere. We get a little bit closer, and I read the sign on the side of the building. Sister Schubert's. You ever heard of Sister Schubert's Rolls? That's a fascinating story. Patricia Schubert grew up as a little girl loving to cook. Her teacher was her grandmama. And her grandmama taught her all sorts of things. And her grandmama was known for her delicious dinner rolls. And every Thanksgiving, her grandmother made a big batch of those dinner rolls for the family. When her grandmother died, Patricia, now a grown adult herself, decided that she was going to take up that tradition. And she was going to make sure that on Thanksgiving Day, when all the family got together, they had those great rolls. One day her church group, her women's group in her Baptist church in Laverne said, uh, Patricia, we're having a, a fundraiser uh, next week and uh, we're going to make a, these frozen casseroles and frozen dishes to give to folks. I said, would you make some of those rolls? She said, well, certainly. So she made about 20 pans of those dinner rolls and they sold them at the women's fundraiser. They were gone instantly. They came to her and said, the next year, she said, look, would you be willing to make some more rolls? She said, well, certainly. So this time she made 200 pans. They sold immediately. Third year, she made 300 pans of these dinner rolls. Would have made more, but she gave out of time. They sold out immediately. One day, Patricia was sitting in her house, and she thought to herself, you know what? If, if people in Laverne like my rolls so much, maybe other people will too. Sister Schubert's rolls were born that day. Now, that's not the most important thing about the story. You see, Sister Schubert made lots of money because of that enterprise. But as a Christian, she understood what stewardship was all about. She understood that when God's blessings come into your life, they're not meant for, for your uh, Edification. They're not used, they're not there just for you to hoard to yourself. They're to be given to bless others. One day, Patricia was at a Rotary Club meeting, and the speaker was talking about the abandoned children in the Ukraine. By the hundreds, abandoned children will just be left on the side of the road because the parents can't take care of them. The government was picking up these. Abandoned children, taking them to a, a facility where there was nothing but dying sick children. And, and so their, their plight was just a plight of death. Something touched a nerve in Patricia Schubert, and so she decided to go herself and see what the need was. She thought to herself, maybe God's calling me to do something about this. She went, she saw firsthand how hundreds of children were just abandoned. Something needed to be done. So she started a ministry called Sasha's House. It's an orphanage. 
I believe now they've even added additional ones. Sasha's house is a ministry for abandoned children, a place where they can come and receive love and Christian care and a family. A couple of years ago, uh, Patricia was awarded the highest award that can be given to a civilian by the mayor of the town there in Ukraine. She and her husband have started the Barnes Family Foundation. It exists to address the needs of children uh, here in America and across the world. They've funded and continue to fund the Sister Schubert Scholarship at Auburn University for students who are going to devote their lives in careers where they are serving the needs of others. Now, all that started because a, a woman in Laverne, Alabama, decided to make some rolls for her church. Listen, when you know that your life and everything about it comes from God, and when you offer what you have in service to God, there's no telling where God can take it. Patricia Schubert's life is a huge success today. Not because she makes great roles, but because she has decided to take what God has given her and use to serve Him. If all Patricia Schubert has done with her money was to isolate herself into a life of indulgence and to live an easy life in some mansion somewhere, I wouldn't waste my time telling her story. But she is an example of stewardship, not because of the dollars she has made, but because of the difference she has made. In utilizing what God has given her to serve his purpose. Listen, you and I may never build an orphanage in in the Ukraine, but when we give God our time, when we give God our abilities, when we give God our resources, He can use them to make a difference. Well, here's the third big idea about stewardship. When we don't use our lives, our talents, our abilities to serve God, we waste the opportunity we have been given And we disappoint our Heavenly Father. The servant in the parable who had the one talent, he did nothing. He just buried it. He didn't try to grow it. He didn't try to add to his master's treasury. And his master was greatly disappointed in what he did. Now, now we think about that, and we think, why in the world would that one person, why would he just take that one talent and bury it? Who in the world would do that? But that's exactly what a lot of us do. I see buried talent every day. God's given you that voice I talked about earlier, and you're not using it to glorify him in some way. You've buried your talent. If you've been blessed monetarily, to give, to, to help others, to, to support great causes, and you're not doing it, you, you're burying your talent. If you've got time, 
You know, a lot of us are seasoned in life where we don't have a lot of discretionary time, but if you're at a place in time in your life where you, you've got time to help others or volunteer in the church or at school or at the hospital or whatever, and you're not doing it, you're burying your talent of time. Every one of us need to understand that at the end of our life, we're going to be asked a question question that God's going to pose to us and it's going to go something like this. What have you done with what you have been given in life? What have you done with what you have been given in life? Stewardship means investing your life, your talent, your resources in God's purpose. It's the life that we as believers are called to live. So how do we do that? Well, we do that in multiple ways. But one of the ways we do that is through our involvement and our engagement and our availability to serve God in and through His church. And that's really what I want to talk to you about in my closing moments together. We have themed this series, All Hands on Deck. And I hope the urgency of that has not become lost. When a battleship is up against a great mission or challenge, the call goes out, All Hands on Deck. And that battleship can complete its mission and flourish when all the crew shows up for duty. And each person does their part. In the church, the church accomplishes its mission most effectively. It is most empowered to accomplish great things when it's all hands on deck. When everybody comes together to do their part. So this morning, we're going to wrap up our time together with calling you and me to a time of commitment. To indicate to God how we're going to live out our faith in the coming year. When we're done this morning, over in the parish hall, there's some tables set up. And there, if you're a member of the church, there is an envelope with your name on it. And we hope that you'll find that. In that letter, in that envelope are two things. There's a letter from Lewis Jackson and Warren Budd, our co-chairs of stewardship. And there's this brochure. Now, here's what we're asking you to do. This week, take this and just spend some time reflecting on some of the ministry opportunities in your church. And you'll see that we've just, we have broken these commitments down into each of the four ships, and we're asking ourselves to make a commitment in the area of worship and discipleship and fellowship and stewardship. Now, here's what we're asking you to do. After you have given an indication of how, how and where you'd like to serve, and after you've prayed about uh, the financial commitment that you're, that you're about to make to God and His church, you take that, come back, bring this back with you next Sunday. We're going to have some envelopes available next Sunday that you can take this entire thing, put it in that envelope, seal it, bring it up here, and we're going to dedicate these commitments at the altar. 
what's going to happen after that? Those envelopes are going to be gathered up. Every one of them is going to go to the finance office. Now, why the finance office? Some of us are particular about what we're giving, and we don't want the whole world to know about it. So I don't know if that's because we want to brag or we're embarrassed. I don't know which. But, uh, but anyway, the whole thing's going to stay together. Finance office is going to take the financial commitment card and, and keep it confidential. The rest of the card, which has an indication of where you'd like to serve, that's going to be forwarded on to the various ministry teams. And if you signed up, that you'd like to help out with Vacation Bible School, then the, somebody from the children's team is going to give you a call and let you know when that's going to be and, and how you can best serve. So remember that next Sunday we're going to have that time together. If you can't be here next Sunday, just bring it whenever you can or, or mail it back in. Like I said, we have these available for members. If you're a visitor this morning and, and uh, we don't have your information, please feel free to take one of these. We have an extra supply over there. Uh, take one and pray about what involvement uh, you might want to have. Now, you might be asking, why, why you want us to pick these up? Well, you're already here for one. That helps. And for every one of you that goes over and picks it up, you're going to save us about, what, 45 cents for a stamp. Because we're going to take all the ones that are left and we're going to mail those out to the membership in the morning. So when we're done here in just a minute, make your way over to the parish home. Take that home and be praying about how you want to be involved in helping your church maximize its potential and have the greatest impact for God in this community in the year to come than we've ever had before. Let's pray together. Oh God, there's no greater thrill, honor, or opportunity to know that that you have called us into the church, the body of believers. And it's in that setting, Lord, that we have an opportunity to, to, to offer ourselves service to you through our giving monetarily through the giving of our time through the utilization of our talents so Father I just pray that you move in every one of our hearts to do the very best that we can do oh God it's like I said it's a holy privilege and we thank you for the opportunity of being part of your church and pray that our involvement and our level of commitment, our level of giving, our level of engagement will not cause our church to do less because of lack of resources, but that our engagement, our giving will enable our church, your church, to accomplish great and marvelous things in the year to come. And it's in the name and spirit of Christ that we pray. Amen.